to the WAM Strategic Value uh, webinar. Um, you've got myself, who's the portfolio manager, um, plus we've got Jesse Hamilton, our chief and chief financial officer, and one of our investment specialists, Marty McCarthy. Um, we're on today, and we're here to answer any of your questions. And, and please, the more obtuse or more difficult questions, you know, the better, because this is your company, uh, and we can only do what we love doing and, and we're very passionate about because you let us do it. Um, so thank you very much. Uh, also, in terms of running the, the Q&A and, and organising everything, I'd just like to thank the Wilson Asset Management Corporate Affairs team. They do an exceptional job. And we've got one of our advisors, Zoe Landry, who will be doing the Q&A today. Um, so thank you again. Uh, corporate affairs and look forward to some difficult questions um, for, you to, for you to hit us with, Zoe. Uh, now, in terms of just looking at the last 12 months for WAM Strategic Value, you know, a, a, a challenging year. Um, you look at the, you know, the portfolio performance and the share price performance, you know, challenging in both sense. You know, the portfolio, you know, since the... Um, company was set up is down about nine, a little over nine percent. I mean, one of the positive things we could, you know, six months ago we could start um, paying a dividend to shareholders. You know, that was one cent. And again, the positive thing is, you know, we had a very strong July, so the profit reserve um, grew strongly in July. So therefore, the board, when it was looking at um, the full year result. Uh, and the second half performance uh, and could increase the dividend. And, you know, we talk about an increasing dividend of 100% from that one cent to two cents. Uh, and, and the plan would be to continue to grow that dividend over time. Obviously, the ability to pay that dividend uh, is, is reliant on the you know, profit, look at, look at the profit reserve. And for it to be frank, you know, we need to either pay tax or receive fully frank dividends uh, from our investments. In terms of the profit reserve size, you know, this is before the, this is after the payment of the one cent interim dividend, but before the payment of the two cent final dividend, there was about um, 8.7 cents in that profit reserve. Uh, in terms of where WAM Strategic's trading at the moment, you know, after it floated, it went to a, a nice premium for a period of time. Unfortunately, it's uh, gone to a discount, and I think that's been more of a function of you know, what's been happening in the market, the volatility, and then what you tend to find is there's some shareholders that have bought it and you know think, oh well, you know I'd like to turn it into cash now. You know, so you tend to get a little bit of uh, additional selling pressure, and it really just takes time for that selling pressure to be absorbed by the market. Um, and we've, you know, I'm. Now, I've seen it happen before, and I'm sure it'll happen again. Um, yeah, we, it won't at least be a matter of time before we get WAM strategic to trade at NTA, if not a premium, yeah, where it where it belongs. Um, now, in terms of yeah, what does WAM strategic do? Yeah, we're investing in yeah, we're trying to find a dollar of assets and buy them at eighty cents, preferably. Yeah, we'd be buying that dollar of assets for fifty cents if possible. Um, 
And, and so even though you know, at the moment we're sitting on a reasonable amount of cash and the portfolio's got about 35% cash, and that's, that's more um, because a few things happened in terms of some of our investments were cashed up over the period uh, and we're, you know, we're sitting on that cash just so, um, well, one of the sayings I love was, you know, from old, uh, one of the Rothschilds, you know, that you want to be buying when the blood runs in the street. And uh, at the moment, you know, I don't think there's enough blood running in the street, um, but there will be some great opportunities um, there. In terms of the rest of the portfolio, the shares we've invested in, if you look at what their NTAs are, and that, that's sort of broadly a see-through NTA, then um, a number of shareholders asked us um, you know, over the last six to nine months if, they can, if we can give them an idea, and that's about $1.26 at the moment. So we think the live NTA is about $1.17. Share price, you know, $1.02, so it's trading at a 12% discount. Um, and if you look at the... You know, the, the cash obviously is the cash, but those other investments are trading at discounts. And that, um, you know, the look-through NTA there would be about $1.26. The, um, so in terms of, um, you know, where we see opportunities, you know, we'll probably, we'll cover that uh, a little later in, in Q&A. Um, but again, it's, it's really... Uh, anywhere where we think we can buy a dollar um, for 80 cents or less. And and more recently, you've seen, if you, you know, follow closely our, um, our portfolio, that we have been seeing some opportunities in operating businesses that have been, um, you know, that, that have come under pressure recently and, and uh but creating what we believe is is some exceptional value. Um, now I'd like to hand over to Jesse, um, and he'll talk a little bit about the LIC sector. Uh, I mean, we invest in undervalued, you know, anywhere where we can buy a dollar, yeah, you know, a dollar of assets cheaply. Um, the area we focus on is the listed investment company and the listed investment trust sector. Um, but it can be an operating business as well. But why don't I pass over to Jesse, who will just um, you know, take you through you know, a little bit of you know, what happened in the landscape over the last period. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Jeff. Um, yeah, what I'll talk to shareholders about is just obviously what's happened in the past 12 months. And one of these items that we've already spoken to you about before, obviously, uh, early on when after the IPO, Closed and listed investment trust, which moved to an open ended exchange traded fund. So, what that enabled us to do at the time was redeem our position at the NTA um, of the fund um, after buying it early at a discount to NTA in the closed end structure. And in, in that short period of time, sort of the annualized return equated to 117.6%. Um, so that's just one example of what happened during the year. Now, sort of two other transactions that happened simultaneously were our investments in West Oz and Ozgrowth. Now, both of those vehicles 
Capitals were acquired during the period by Wham Capital, uh, interestingly enough. Uh, they were trading at big discounts to NTA um, ahead of the announcement that Wham Capital would acquire those vehicles under two separate schemes of arrangement. Now, from the announcement dates, I think in December last year, to the scheme implementation in April this year, those discounts to NTA narrowed significantly. Um, and in the end, Wham Capital was acquiring those vehicles at a 7.5% premium to the underlying NTA of the vehicles as at that point in time. So when we received the new WAM Capital shares and disposed of them, we are able to close that discount and generate a good realised return on those investments uh, by virtue of the, I guess, structural changes that happened. Um, now, another one that's probably just more in terms of something that um, naturally closed discount-wise during the period. Now, the L1 Long Short Fund. Um, so if you turn the clock back, I think in Mar around March 2020 at its highest, it was trading at around a 29%, uh, sorry, trading at a 29% discount to NTA at that point in time. Um, and from there, sort of through to 30 June this year, that discount narrowed to 5%. And during that time, uh, they obviously had a, a big, big performance on the underlying positions sort of exposed to resources and their short positions of those high price to earnings companies. So they benefited from the strong performance of the investment portfolio. They paid increasing fully frank dividends down to shareholders during the period. And you had sort of two individuals, obviously, at L1, uh, investing significantly in the business and communicating during that time, which was a great example of what we want to see out of those sort of asset managers when their LICs are trading at a discount. Uh, more recently, um, Wham Leaders, uh, one of our other listed investment companies, announced that it was entering into a scheme of arrangement with Absolute Equity Performance Fund, AEG. Uh, so that is going to be a for NTA transaction. Uh, and this morning, AEG shareholders approved that transaction at the EGM um, and be implemented at the end of October. Um, and for WAM strategic value, we acquired our AEG holding at around a 12.6% discount to NTA. And that transaction will enable us to exit our position at or around NTA, um, if not at a bit of a premium. Um, so another sort of benefit coming, which we'll keep you updated on going forward. Um, and before I pass over to Marty, I just wanted to touch on, obviously, we've announced our two-cent fully franked um, final dividends. And I just wanted to touch on the dividend reinvestment plan for shareholders, um, for those who are participating and those who might want to consider participating. Now, with our uh, inaugural interim dividend of one cent, that worked traditionally like a normal dividend reinvestment plan where we issued additional shares to those people participating um, in the DRP. And at the time, obviously, trading at a discount for shares of discount um, is slightly dilutionary um, on an NTA basis. And another option that we do have in our DRP policy is actually taking the proceeds um, that would ordinarily be used to issue more shares and buying those shares on market when we're trading at a discount. Um, we will be facilitating the DRP um, to those participating shareholders through buying those shares on market um, to then transfer them through to you. And that's something that we're trialling for the first time across the Wilson Asset Management stable of LICs um, and something that hopefully we can look to implement uh, more broadly in the future. So I'll now pass over to Marty just to talk about the LIC sector and obviously what's happening currently with premiums and discounts in TA. Thanks, Jesse, and, and good afternoon, everybody. And as we've touched on previously in, in these forums, the listed investment company sector in Australia has, has seen phenomenal growth over the last decade. You know, we go back to, to 2012, we were sitting around 40 entrants. That's grown to almost 100 today. 
And in the last eight years alone, the LIC sector has grown from 23 billion to 56 billion AUD. In the last, we've seen a, a number, a, a period of consolidation, and a number of LICs exit the uh, the sector as a result of scheme of arrangements, um, takeovers, or, or being conversions to other structures. As Jesse said, we've been able to take advantage of a number of these, um, the consolidation in the sector, and that's provided us and other shareholders the opportunity to exit their investment at a, at NTA or close to NTA. And we believe that this consolidation will continue all through the rest of 22 and into to 2023. We still hold a very favourable view on the LIC sector domestically. And we, we often turn to the UK market as a leading indicator for the LIC sector in Australia as a more mature and larger sector. And if you look at the LIC sector in Australia, uh, the investment trust or investment company sector over there in, in the UK, sorry, in 2021, they had a record year of capital raisings, not only from existing entrants in the market, but also a number of new entrants. And um, through the period, the listed sector in the UK outgrew the unlisted sector. As shareholders over there really got behind the benefits of closed-ended capital, especially in, in small cap, alternate asset and special situations listed investment companies. That said, the UK is providing pockets of value uh, similar to the Australian market. Turning back to, to Australia, obviously 2022 has been a, an exceptionally volatile period in equity markets. And that volatility has been magnified through the listed investment company sector as retail shareholders or predominantly retail shareholders look to liquidate and also divest and, and, and move up the, the market capitalization scale into the perceived safe haven of, of blue chip companies um, and blue chip um, listed investment companies. That's provided phenomenal value in the, the small mid cap sector and also global LICs, with global LICs being the hardest hit. If you look at the global LIC sector um, within Australia, the discount has grown to, or the average discount has grown to 17.5% at 30 June, and that's up from 12.9% just 12 months earlier. You know, this volatility and, and depressed share price and, and, and discount expansion has provided opportunity for WAM strategic value to deploy capital. And at the moment, we're uh, around about 45% invested in global listed investment companies. As Jeff said at the outset, you know, direct asset plays have also become interesting. And we're seeing a number of, of direct assets trading at a discount to the net tangible asset, um, predominantly through AMP and Global Data Centers, GDC. And they make up about 7% of the portfolio at the moment. Jeff, maybe back to you, and, and you can touch on your views on on the market at the moment, and and when you, you know, the catalyst you're looking for to look to deploy some of that capital. Uh, and um, a solid question, Marty. And you know, obviously, if 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 all our crystal balls were clear, <laughs> you know, we'd know exactly exactly what to do. You know, sell at the top and buy at the bottom. Um, but but as we know, it's yeah, you know, it's it's a best guess, and and trying to look at what's happened historically, and I think from my perspective, it, you know, we 
the market has been very volatile over the last six months. A lot of heat has been taken out of the market with interest rates um, in going up you know, due to inflation being a lot higher than people expected and potentially holding um, higher than um, you know, people had expected. Uh, and, and to me, that's, that's flushing out a little bit of the hot money out of our market. You know, one thing that does concern me is you look at Australia, we're still not in a bear market. So that means the market still hasn't fallen more than 20%. Um, and as one thing we do know about bull markets, bull markets are always followed by bear markets. And one thing we know about bear markets, they're always followed by bull markets. And bear markets tend to be um, a little more swift and a little bit more brutal um, in terms of, you know, the share prices falling quickly and, you know, bear markets tend to be, you know, less than half the length of a bull market. Um, and from my perspective, and one of the reasons why we're holding our cash, um, even though there's some, there are some very good opportunities out there, um, if, we, if we could see a catalyst that we believe would um, you know, turn those discounts, move them from discounts to NTA or even you know, significantly reduce the discounts, then we'd be using that cash. Um, we just can't see the catalyst. And obviously one of the catalysts is, is the market's performance. Now, um, you, know, you might have a listed investment company and some of the ones we own are trading at 20 and 25% discounts. Um, we, we really, you know, if, and, you know, if we're still a little uncertain about the outlook for equities, you know, then you could have a situation where the equity market falls and the actual discount you know, stays the same or if not gets bigger. Uh, and the ideal scenario for us is, you know, we want to buy these discounts, but we want to be buying the discounts when we're fairly confident that those discounts are going to uh, evaporate. Um, so you'll get the, you know, then, you, you know, you'll get that you know, catalyst, which, you know, obviously all shareholders, you know, including all ourselves, um, you know, will benefit from. So my concern is interest rates, are still going up. Um, you know, there's an indirect relationship between interest rates and values of companies. You know, the higher the interest rates, the smaller the value of company. The lower the interest rates, the larger you know, valuation um, measure or PE. Uh, so to me, you know, the next little period, um, we've really got to wait for this inflation um, cycle uh, and interest rate cycle to play out. Uh, before we really have any confidence. Now, what, are the, what are the signposts? Either you know, the market falling significantly or you know, it becoming clear that um, you know, the market's fully uh, digested higher interest rates um, for a, a reasonable period of time. And, and I just don't think the market's digested that just yet. So, look, thank you, you know, Jesse and Marty. Um, now what I'd like to do is pass over to Zoe, who'll start running through some questions. And thank you already. A number of people have sent in some questions and please you know, send in any more questions so we can answer them for you. Thank you, Jeff, and thank you to everyone who's joined us. We will try to get through all the questions um, that have come through today, and if we don't, um, we'll endeavour to call you after the call. Uh, Jeff, the first question is for you. It's a two-part question from Tony. He says, it's pleasing to see the recent dividend increase of 100%. 
Is this a sign of things to come? Is it common for a dividend to start this low compared to other WAM licks? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with the, you know, is the dividend, you know, does it start this low compared to other WAM licks? Effectively, these are company structures. And one of the great things about a listed investment company is the fact that you can, um, you know, there can be money can be made in those listed investment company, uh, in the listed investment company. And instead of the trust structure where it all pays you out um, in one year, you know, that can be paid out to, sh to investors or shareholders in a company over time. Um, but it takes a little bit of time to build up a, the ability to pay those dividends. And that's you know, what I was talking about earlier about the profit reserve. So you've got to build up your profit reserve. Um, and then you know, there's a board sitting uh, on this. Uh, and really what the board is looking for is to they can, you know, a balancing act between not paying too high a dividend and not paying too low a dividend and, and paying a dividend that, that's sustainable. So the dividend that's just paid, I mentioned earlier, there's 8.7 cents in the profit reserve. So the dividend paid of 2 cents, so we'll have 6.7 cents in the profit reserve. Now it's assuming no more profit um, for the next period of time. The But what that does mean is, you know, in six months' time, if there's no more profit, you know, the director's looking the 6.7 cents in, so that probably gives them confidence to raise the interim dividend from that one-cent level to the two-cent level. Uh, and then, obviously, if there's more um, profit, you know, then, obviously, the ability to increase the dividend further over time. So that's, that's broadly um, how dividends work with listed investment companies. Thank you, Jeff, and we'll stay with you. This next one's from Tom. He says, can you please talk a bit about wars holding in WAM Global? Yeah, the um, uh, uh, in terms of war was a shareholder in Templeton Global uh, and WAM Global bid for Templeton Global and shareholders had a choice. They could have either taken cash or they took could, could have taken shares. The majority of shareholders took shares because there was... Uh, one was pre-tax and one was after-tax. The cash was after-tax, so it was actually a 6% uh, difference. And, and probably in retrospect, you know, my Scottish roots you know, played against me uh, here as, as the portfolio manager where we, um, we didn't want to take the six, you know, the, the lower, um, you know, the... the the lower alternate, which was cash, but it was 6% lower. Um, and in retrospect, you know, we should have done that. Um, so it's it's a position, um, you know, when it's it's trading at a bit of a discount, 28 at the moment, um, you know, when it trades, you know, we're pretty confident that it'll trade at NTA, if not a premium. Um, but when it's getting you know, back to close to NTA, then you'll see us, you know, we'll be reducing our position in, in WAM Global. And and just in terms of that, uh, um, we've, we always know, you know only a fool makes the same mistake twice. Uh, when WAM Capital um, bid for the you know, Ausgrove um, and West Oz, you know, then WAM Strategic was a shareholder in both those um, and um, 
when WAMP Strategic got those shares and they sold out. And, and the same strategy would be with AEG for um, WAMP Strategic. Thank you, Jeff. This next, next question is from Trevor. Um, perhaps this is to sort of the whole team. Um, he's asked, why has WAR invested in overseas opportunities when there are many local funds trading below their asset backing? And will you, Jeff, look to take over thorny opportunities? Well, what a, maybe it's easy. What a, I'll do it. Everyone, we'll all have the same answer. The, um, you know, just the first part, you know, Tony, in terms of we actually haven't invested in offshore companies uh, to get exposure. We've invested in listed investment companies that are listed on the Australian market that are trading at quite very healthy di discounts, you know, 20% off. Um, and they they invest in global assets, you know, so they're managed um, managers that are investing globally, and, and that's why we why we've invested there is because that's where the real opportunities are. In terms of the Australian opportunities, you know, the the, the discounts aren't, aren't anywhere near as large as the global fund managers um, that invest the money in Australia at the moment. Um, sorry, globally, but are listed in Australia. So that's that's where we've been uh, focusing. And in terms of the in terms of some of the Australian ones that are trading at discounts, probably the two biggest discounts are the two, you know, thorny um, twins. Uh, you know, at, at you know close to twenty five percent, you know, thorny opportunities and thorny technology, you know, twenty five five percent discounts. And we've got small positions in those. Uh, and you know, I, I, with I think you tend to what we tend to find over time with these, you know, when entities trade at those big discounts, then something eventually happens. Either you know, there's a catalyst um, or some corporate activity occurs, or um, they end up you know trading closer, or you know that discount gap gets narrowed and they trade close at NTA. So we've got small positions in the, in the two Thornies. Uh, I know Alex well. You know, I think he's a very good fund manager. You know, he, he wouldn't be happy with this. If you're a shareholder you know, in those entities, then obviously you, know, you and, like all shareholders, have the right to say, look, what are you guys doing with this and um, what are your plans to get to trade at NTA if not a premium? Thank you, Jeff. Uh, and Marty, we'll go to you now. This question's come in from Liz. She says she noticed you were holding BGI Global Investments and the Magellan Global Fund. Sorry, I've actually messed that question up. Sorry. <laughs> Liz noticed that short selling is part of the investment strategy in the prospectus. Are you short selling at the moment, given the equi equity market volatility? Yeah, okay. that's a much kinder question. Thank you. Um, Look with the with the short selling, it, it is it was as you said it was under the prospectus that we could short sell. With all of Wilson Asset Management LICs, um, or on the most part, we have the ability to short sell, and for us, it's it's giving us maximum flexibility to either make money for shareholders or, in the case of short selling, occasionally to provide protection on the downside. It hasn't been used from WAM Strategic Value to date. And I think the opportunities to use it going forward will be limited, and it's really you're opportunistic that where we will get to use it. 
get in the, the real problem with short selling in the LIC sector is, is getting borrowed. You know, within the Australian market, you have to have um, borrow stock to be able to short sell, so it had to be fully covered. And it's getting that liquidity and that borrow to be able to short sell on the other side is problematic. Where you might see us using it is from a, a risk mitigation perspective. You know, if we're invested in a, in a concentrated LIC, uh, obviously Jesse talked to, to the Magellan High Conviction at the start, obviously um, something like Contangle, which is a very concentrated portfolio. If there was a, a play on, on, on something like that in the future, you'd potentially be able to short out some of the risk in those underlying assets. Um, but I don't think it'll be something that we'll use significantly in the portfolio. Thank you, Marty. Uh, Jesse, this next question is for you. It's from Mark, and it's a two-part question. Uh, firstly, is there any ambition for war to take over other licks? Secondly, is war competing with WAM Capital for takeover opportunities? How is this conflict managed? Yeah, great question. Um, thanks, Mark. So in terms of, I guess, getting back to the WAM Strategic Values um, investment process, obviously we're investing in uh, LICs and LITs trading at a discount to NTA. Now, there's a number of, I guess, mechanisms um, and tools available to assist in closing that discount. So I'd probably say corporate activity um, is normally one of those last resorts. Um, type endeavours in terms of trying to close that discount to NTA. WAM Strategic Value can definitely obviously implement that, um, but the circumstances need to be right. And what I mean by that, if you look at some other corporate activities that say WAM Capital has participated in, um, where WAM Capital is obviously at a, trading at a premium to NTA, um, it can offer, I guess, transactions to the other shareholders in those companies companies, um, obviously benefiting them, but obviously significant benefits to the WAM capital shareholders where we can acquire significant assets at a discount to the underlying NTA of those companies. When WAM strategic value is trading at a discount, um, offering sort of script transactions and the likes probably doesn't put us in the best position um, and doesn't put the best foot forward um, because obviously we wouldn't want to be issuing our own shares at a discount to NTA um, and we wouldn't be able to offer an attractive term to those shareholders in order to get them to accept. Um, and then in terms of other circumstances, size is, is incredibly important. When you look at the other like listed investment companies that might be trading at discounts um, and then you look at sort of, I guess, the size of where strategic value Obviously, if you were to acquire a company that's of similar size, it could create uh, significant disruption um, to the WAM strategic value share price and the register versus when WAM Capital has recently taken over companies, the proportionate size when WAM's sort of at different points in time been around $2 billion market capitalization versus these companies that are a lot smaller and even more recently sort of WAM leaders around $1.5, $1.6 in market cap versus absolute equity performance fund, which is a lot smaller. Um, so the circumstances need to be uh, right in order to sort of take advantage of, the, of those opportunities. Um, and in terms of conflict, it's obviously um, individual board. Uh, each company has an independent board of directors. Uh, the investment manager, we're always sort of, I guess, conflicted in terms of these scenarios. So we recuse ourselves from, from these sort of decisions. Uh, it's the independent board of directors that will make decisions regarding capital management um, and takeover activity. Um, and that sort of conflict is managed quite closely as well. Thanks, Jesse. Uh, this next one's from Dennis um, for you, Jeff. He says, will you please provide some insights into AMP? Why is it a holding in, in the war portfolio? Is it undervalued or a takeover premium opportunity? 
Yeah, the, the reason we bought it is because it's undervalued. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, it's, it's an operating company. Um, in, and we think we can get a value of, it, of the parts of the business of close to a dollar eighty. The actual because they've sold, I think they've sold six um, divisions so far since the new CEO has come in, and she's you know really cleaning cleaning the business up. The actual stated NTA I think is around a dollar yeah a dollar thirty plus, um, and as cash comes in from these sales, you know that could easily. Uh, depending on the earnouts, it could easily increase. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, we think we can get a, a valuation close to dollar eighty. We started buying around that dollar three, dollar four level. You know, it's it's just a little over five percent of the portfolio, um, and you, you see it's like trading a dollar nineteen, dollar twenty in terms of what they're doing. You know, I think it's smart. You know what they're doing in terms of doing the you know doing the buyback. We have had meetings, and I've been in the meetings with you know, the chair and the CEO and senior management. Um, we think they, because they, they, you know, the shares are just fundamentally cheap, you know, we think they should continue to use that capital um, to buy back shares. Another little thing on the side is um, you know, when they start paying dividends, you know, they actually will be, sorry, they're starting to pay tax again soon so the dividends that they will start paying soon will be fully franked. Uh, our, um, you know, our view is you know, we're happy shareholders. We th- still think it's cheap. Um, and you know, if it got, got up closer to our valuation, then you know, we'd sell it and move on. Thanks, Jeff. We'll stay with you. This one's from Graham, and he asked, do you, do you foresee Magellan recovering anytime soon? Now, there's there's a few parts to Magellan. There's Magellan, the funds management business, uh, and where we're invested is in the Magellan listed investment trusts, um, or um, yeah, that, that's the, the trust. That's where we're invested, and it, and it is cheap at the moment. Like it's trading at about a nineteen percent discount. There's um, you know, there are some options outstanding. Yeah, which complicates the structure. Uh, I think, as Jesse mentioned earlier, you know, soon after war was floated, you know, Web Strategic was a shareholder in one of the other Magellan funds, which they decided to turn into a trust. So we were buying it then at a 12% discount and we got out at NTA. Um, you know, the current Magellan uh, trust that we've been, you know, that we have a position in that's trading at about a 19% discount. And we think once the options expire, and that's, you know, we've still got a little bit of time on that. The, the reason why it's not a, a very large position is because, you know, we'd probably build our position up as we get closer to that expiry, and that's not much, not much next year, the year after. So, it's, you know, we've still got a decent, um, you know, runway there. But we think, yeah, we think they will get back to NTA one way or the other. Either they turn into a trust and we all get out of NTA, or they, um, yeah, they they swing the tide of everyone sort of running away from Magellan, um, and that'll that'll happen. I mean, we've seen 
Yeah, but in terms of the manager, that's a totally different uh, question. You know, that's whether you believe that their funds will start growing again, um, you know, in terms of inflows and and what value do you put on the, the management company? And, and we're not invested in there and we, we don't have a view. Um, well, we don't need to have a view on that. Thanks, Jeff. Um, we'll go to Jesse for this next question from Will. He's asked, what is your view on the VGI Regal merger? And in particular, Regal taking over management of VG8 and still trading at a large discount to NTA. Yeah, this one might be one that Jeff wants to sort of comment on as well. In terms of obviously the, the takeover, like VGI obviously sort of reached a point um, where they sort of were looking for optionality uh, with their management business. Obviously, they've got their listed investment companies, which have been trading at a discount for some time. I guess with the combined resources of Regal and VGI, um, we hope that obviously there's going to be some action and some implementation of strategies to close those discounts to NTA from the listed investment company perspective. Uh, more recently, obviously, they've gone through just a rights issue in the management vehicle of Regal. Part of the, um, I guess, rationale for the rights issue was sort of further investing in that marketing and <laughs> side um, of the business and we hope that obviously that will start sort of I guess showing some benefits in terms of how they're communicating across the uh, two sort of VGI listed investment companies. Uh, in terms of obviously the merger itself of the asset managers um, it's not something we invest in and probably have a particular view on but Jeff do you do you have anything you wanted to add on that one? Um, yeah well one of the interesting things is with VG8, um, yeah, with the VGI, yeah, when it was going through the yeah, number of people leaving, um, yeah, Rob, who yeah, was the yeah, main driver behind the business, um, the yeah, his sort of right hand man or <laughs> right hand man left. Uh, and one of them was the manager of the VGA portfolio. And, you know, it's trading at about, a, I think, about a 19% discount, you know, to NTA at the moment. Uh, the interesting thing is since the merger with Regal, um, you know, Phil King, who's the principal of Regal, he's now managing that portfolio. Uh, and you'll see the portfolio, even though it's Asian, uh, I think it's about 60% Australian stocks. <laughs> So I'm not, I'm not sure how. I know it's Australasia, but uh, to me that's, you know, it looks like it's becoming more of an Australian LIC. Um, and and the, 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 the early performance has been quite positive. To me, I would say, um, you know, with Phil and, you know, the skills Phil has, you know, being responsible for that, and Rob's responsible for VG1, um, I, I would say probably VG8 will get to NTA before VG1, I would assume, um, because you look at, you know, the Regal, you know, they've got their listed investment trust uh, and that's trading at a slight premium to NTA. So they they know, you know, what you need to do to get um, something to NTA and that's really you've got to perform for your shareholders, you've got to communicate with them, you've got to have a you know, marketing sort of plan and engagement, shareholder engagement uh, strategy and a dividend strategy. So, um, yeah, we're, we're very hopeful of both of them. I mean, they're, they're reasonably large positions um, in our portfolio uh, and they are, they are still very cheap. You know, they're both trading around that 
17 to 19% discount at the moment. Thank you, Jeff. And Jesse, this one's for you. And as, as Jeff mentioned previously, the profits reserve is sitting at 8.7% as at 31 August. Steve wants to know how you top this up and if it's likely to grow in the years to come. Great question. Um, yeah, so obviously profits reserve as at the end of the month, 8.7 cents per share. Uh, important to note, obviously, at the end of June, it was 3.7. 3.6 cents per share. So the way the profits reserve works in terms of um, investment portfolio performance drives profit um, in terms of the, the company structure. So the profit after tax that's generated through the investment portfolio performance, um, that's what contributes to the profits reserve. So obviously at the end of June, we had 3.6 cents per share. Um, we obviously had a, a very positive month in the month of July, and that was a combination of uh, obviously positive performance in the market, a lot of our global LICs had sort of incredibly strong performance outperforming the market and we did see a bit of a reversion in the discount uh, 20A of those global LICs in the month, um, which helped contribute additional profit to the profits reserve through the generation of portfolio performance. Now, how does that work sort of going forward? Um, so each month, uh, if we continue to perform, uh, we will continue to generate profit and profit after tax, which will contribute to the profits reserve. So in the month of August, uh, we were slightly down. Um, so we need to recoup that perform that sort of slight underperformance in August in the months of September and following uh, before we can transfer to the profits reserve again. Um, but it, it's sort of a factor of positive portfolio performance over the financial years. So as we sort of keep performing, we can keep adding to the profits reserve. So something to probably just for shareholders to note, if you look at the NTA after tax sort of throughout each month, as that NTA after tax is growing, um, you should reasonably be able to sort of see that the profits reserve growing as well. Um, but on the second page, obviously, of our investment update, we have the profits reserve for all the listed investment companies under Wilson Asset Management. So you can see that sort of, I guess, changing each month um, as we top up the profits reserve. Thanks, Jesse. Uh, Jeff, this question's for you. It's from Barry. Um, he's asked, can you explain the difference between WAM strategic value and WAM active? Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks, Barry. Um, WAM strategic value buys just undervalued asset plays. Um, and what WAM active does is WAM Active looks for mispricing trading opportunities. And it, it is a very good question because WAM strategic value historically made up about 10% of the WAM Active portfolio. So they are similar. The, the differences are is WAM Active is very active in terms of um, you know, the investment process. So, you know, WAM Actors starts off with a, an amount of cash and looks for any trading opportunity it can find. And part of that, you know, you know let's use AMP as an example. WAM Active might buy into AMP at $1.03 because it you know, thinks it's cheap and then also can see a catalyst, um, you know, because I think... You know, because trading at a discounted NTA and, and there may be some capital management. The capital management occurs, you know, which is happening at the moment, and WAM Active would tr would sell out. Um, where with WAM strategic value, you know, we will stay there till we get closer 
to the full value being realised. Um, that doesn't mean we won't sell, you know, if we buy something at a 20% discount um, and we make really good money quickly, that we won't then, you know, use that trading opportunity to sell. But broadly, um, you know, the, the asset plays, the discount asset plays for the Wilson Asset Management Group are housed in WAM strategic value. You know, the other, other entities, you know, may... You know, put you know one or two percent of their funds into those plays. Um, so Wham Capital, you know, has got a position in AMP, um, but they won't put a significant amount of their capital, and that's what Wham Strategic Value is. And then with Wham back on Wham Active, um, because they're we're looking for trading opportunities. The Wham Active portfolio turns over about three to four times a year. So um, you know, it's just trying to make little bits of money. You know, sometimes you know, that can be risky. And you know, some people say you know, the, the, you know, when you're trying to pick up you know, little bits of money, it's like picking up dollar coins on a train track. Just got to make sure the train doesn't get you. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's where I'm active, the trading part, where where I'm strategic is more, you know, something's cheap. Um, we're taking a medium-term view. You know, we're getting exposure to the market cheaply. You know, we're going to get the market exposure plus you know, that discount, you know, say that 20% discount. We're going, to, we're going to make that up as well. So we should, over time, get the market exposure or the market performance you know, plus the discount, you know, the 20-odd percent discount. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Marty, we'll go to you. This question is from Bob. He says, in the prospectus, War listed undervalued licks to target, but has only been a passive investor so far. Is War likely to become an active bidder in the future? Yeah, thanks. Look, I think um, that is, I think we said in the prospectus, that is one of the catalysts. And, and for us, we're looking for, when we're making investments in these other listed investment companies, we're investing on the back of what we believe are catalysts. And Jeff talked to you know, improving market performance, improving sentiment around the manager, um, restructure like we're seeing with, with VGI and new personnel coming in. If those catalysts don't play out over a period of time, we can become the catalyst. And we can, um, at a Wilson Asset Management Group, um, look to, to engage with board and management, and we have and will continue to do that. The engagement that we will go through will usually be... Um, into, uh, behind closed doors, you know, we will engage with the manager. We'll offer assistance where we think we can, um, guidance where we think we've got expertise or, or um, insights. Um, and then I guess the, the, the last opportunity or the last um, avenue for us is to become more of an activist investor. So I think Jeff previously described it as the, as the carrot and the stick approach. Um, we much prefer the carrot, um, but we have a big stick and we can pull it out if we want to, I think. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's well put, Marty, and, and also people should remember um, or, well, that most of our discussions are behind closed doors. It's only, yeah, we, we, we don't want to bring the stick out and sometimes we you know, have to, use a stick in public just to get a result. And, you know, I mentioned, um, you know, we've already had meetings with the 
you know, senior management at AMP and the you know, and separately the chair at AMP. So, um, you know, that's um, you know, assuming everything goes in the right direction, then you know we're happy to we'd we'd actually prefer to work with these companies and get the best result. Uh, and, and you know, like AMP would like the share price to be trading at a dollar eighty, and we would like the share price to be trading at a dollar eighty. So we're all pushing in the right direction. Um, and yeah, so we have actually been very active, even though you know, we mightn't have been getting you know, headlines in the paper all the time. Jeff, Trevor has noticed that you're the largest shareholder in war. Um, he's wondering what your future plans are. Are you going to add to this holding or sell down? That's an that's a exceptional question, Trevor. I'm definitely not going to sell down because I find it very hard. Yeah, I'm a buyer of a dollar of assets for 80 cents or, well, in Moore's case. Well, actually, yeah, the see-through, we said, is $1.26. So, yeah, and the share price is $1.02. So you broadly are buying, you know, the, the see-through assets. You've got 35% cash, so a bit of asset protection, and the rest you're buying, you know, you know, very cheaply. So, and I was thinking, oh, the call's coming up. Should I buy some before the call? Oh, no, I probably shouldn't because then they'll all say, oh, he's buying them before the call. Then I'm thinking, oh, should I buy them after the call? Um, so you, the good thing is you'll see, Trevor, because as soon as I won't be selling any, um, as soon as I buy some, I have to lodge, well, within a couple of days, lodge with the ASX. So to me, they are cheap. Um, <coughs> yeah, and... Um, yeah, I would be more a buyer. Well, I'm not a seller. I'm either a holder or a buyer. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Jesse, you touched on this earlier, uh, but John has asked, which companies have you invested in that have done well and what are the ones that have done badly and can you explain why? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, we, we touched on sort of the things that worked well. Um, we had a few sort of corporate activity items. We sort of had Magellan High Conviction Trust. Uh, we've had West Oz and Oz Growth. L1 um, was, a, a, I guess, a great example of what sort of worked well during the period. Um, we've sort of had some benefit from AEG already um, in the last financial year and this financial year. Um, probably just more, rather than sort of specifics on sort of what didn't work well, what was probably quite interesting in terms of the 12 months to 30 June um, was when you look at the underlying uh, sort of look through NTA that Jeff was talking about, sort of that $1.26, um, I think it was around sort of 3 to 4% of the sort of, I guess, overall for the 12 months, we were down sort of 9.2%. Um, 3 to 4% of that came from the underlying sort of asset managers in terms of their portfolio performance. So when we look at the performance of the look, through MTA um, versus the sort of around 5 to 6% was actually just the widening of share price discounts to NTA during the period. And that was something that significantly impacted the portfolio, especially from our global equities exposure. So through the first sort of 12 months uh, or through the 12 months um, to 30 June, uh, global LICs, their discounts widened significantly sort of 40 plus percent exposure 
to the, that sector during that time did impact the portfolio. What we noticed, and I think it was the global LICs that experienced the pain first, likewise with global equity markets generally. Late last year, um, there was a, a bit of a sell-off in equities and then obviously with geopolitical tensions happening early in the year, um, global equities suffered before the Australian market and we did see a lot of fleeting away from global list investment companies. So just broad, indiscriminative sell-off of global exposures which meant that uh, the discounts widened significantly during that period, which Marty touched on earlier. And that was something that significantly impacted the portfolio, especially over that March and June quarter this year. Uh, we did see some positivity with that sort of reversing in July, as I mentioned. Um, global managers significantly um, sort of outperformed during that time through a combination of portfolio performance but there was a closing of that share price discount to an NTA in that July and August period, um, which has been positive. But that was sort of the, I guess, the theme in terms of what didn't work well during that period, which was more of, I guess, overall market perspective than individual companies. Thanks, Jesse. Jeff, War has a relatively high cash weighting at the moment. Beth has asked, what opportunities, what opportunities are you seeing, if any, and do you have plans to deploy this cash? Yeah, I mean, there, there are opportunities now. The, I mean, what we're 65% invested, what we're uh, focusing on is just timing of to invest the other um, 35% or the 35% cash. Uh, I mean, buying VG8, you know, I think, as I mentioned before, that's a 19% discount, you know, new, new manager, um, you know, new stable that's in you know, the, the Regal stable. They've already got a, a listed investment trust trading at a slight premium NTA, and their main principal is the manager of the portfolio now. So to me, that's you know that's got a lot of uh, good catalysts. You know, so, the same with AMP. Um, what what I'm still nervous about is just the play out of. Um, you know, the increase in interest rates. Uh, we, we've all witnessed over a 20 or 30 year period interest rates falling. Um, and you know, as interest rates fall, then you know, values of companies or you know, price earnings multiples increase. You know, if interest rates halve, then PEs double. Now, in theory, the, the reverse happens as well. If interest rates uh, double, then the price earnings ratios for companies halves. So that means, assuming earnings are flat, the share price falls by 50%. So that, you know, things can be brutal. Um, and you know, we're, you know, so, so to me, we're, you know, we're, we're really in that early period of interest rates um, going up and driven by you know, inflation. And really, it's seeing to what extent the equity market is going to adjust, because um, you know we are taking we're, we're at risk with sixty five percent of the portfolio, even though we bought it cheaply, um, or it is it is cheap, uh, and the other thirty five percent of the portfolio which we have in cash, we're trying to be a little bit more choosy, um, and trying to, you know, just, just finesse our market timing a little bit. We were, in June, we were 40% cash. So we've actually invested, you know, 5% or nearly, you know, what's that, 12.5% of the cash that we were holding. 
Uh, yeah, so we are nibbling away at opportunities. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that'll we'll probably continue to do that. But we'll, we'll have a cash buffer because if, um, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, as an investor, you really get excited when everyone else is incredibly um, stressed or, um, you know, or, or you know, I talked about the quote, you know, the Rothschilds quote, you know, the, you know, the Battle of Waterloo when they send the message back that, you know, buy when the blood runs in the street. Um, now, you could say the market rally that we've had recently is, is a bull market trap. You know, that means you know, everyone thinks the market's going to keep going up and it doesn't. Uh, and so, uh, unfortunately, with that, uh, you know, I don't know exactly what the answer is. Only time will tell. But I'd, you know, if, if I'm you know, myself and Marty and Jesse, we're stewards of your money. You know, obviously, we want to take the least amount of risk we can and get the greatest return we can. So if you know, we're, you know, believe that there still could be some, you know, some sizable risk, then let's let's have a bit of cash so we can, you know, we're beautifully positioned to take advantage of the oppor- other opportunities when they present themselves. Thanks, Jeff. Um, we'll stay with you. This question's from Anna, and she's just asking, how does the war fee structure work? Oh, the fee structure, it's a, it's a 1% management fee. Uh, and, a tw- it's, and it's a 20% performance fee over a high watermark. Uh, and that high watermark, you know, the performance fee gets paid out each year and that high watermark has to be exceeded for any performance fee to be um, paid. And, and it's probably just worth noting just quickly as well, um, we touched on the WAM Global holding in the portfolio as well. Um, just to note, we, we don't take a management fee on that WAM Global holding, um, given that's one of our sort of related entities. Um, so we don't take any management fee of that 1% on the portion that we hold in WAM Global. Thanks, Marty. Thanks, Jesse. Question from John. He says, I bought into war at the IPO and have since and have since this seen this listing share price go down. Jeff, what are you doing to address this? Yeah, and and was it John? Yes. And, and John, I bought into war at the IPA too. So, um, yeah, and, and I suppose a lot of the people on the call have bought, in, uh, um, yeah, bought into war on the IPA. Um, the, well, first of all, yeah, we're focusing on managing the portfolio and really maximising the returns by taking the least amount of risk as possible. Um, and we also talked about that now that, that war is trading at a bit of a discount to what the value of the assets are. Um, and, you know, we're, I mean, we're trying to, we're, we're increasing or we're maintaining and increasing shareholder engagement and communication, and that's you know, one of the reasons why we've got this webinar. Um, and and also, as a from a board's perspective, you know, increasing the dividends. So the you know, if we can get a bit more on the profit reserve, then all of a sudden we're going from one cent interim to two cent full year. Um, yeah, you know, it could be. Yes, probably I'd say worst case scenario next year is four cents. Yeah, you know, assuming that's fully franked. 
Now then you're getting close to a 4% yield on the share price, you know, not on the NTA, a little bit less than that, 10% less. Um, and you know, if we can get some more in the profit reserve, then, you know, then it's up to the board, but, you know, the, you know to potentially pay a higher dividend. Um, and what we're trying to do is, you know, provide shareholders with a growing stream of fully frank dividends. So we're, you know, incredibly aware of, you know, where things are. You know, assuming we could get more to a premium, like, say, WAM Capital or, um, you know, WAM Research, you know, even WAM Active um, or WAM Leaders, <laughs> you know, the, um, you know, we're pretty confident we will get it to NTA, if not a premium. And then when we're at a premium, then it gives us a lot more flexibility in terms of using the war share price to make takeover bids for other listed investment companies that are smaller than us. Um, that's sort of the, the broad plan. Thanks, Jeff. Um, that actually concludes our questions for, the, for today. Um, so I'll pass back to you for closing remarks. Look, thank you. Thank you, Zoe. And thank you, Jesse. And thank you, Marty. Um, you know, really some, uh, you know, some great, and thank you all your sharehold, all shareholders of WAM Strategic Value because there's some really good questions. Now, please, this is your company. If you've got any thoughts or suggestions um, or additional questions, please you know, email them in uh, and we'll get back to you um, and communicate. If not, um, you know, we're all looking forward to water uh, perform better than it has in the last period, you know, to trade at least at NTA, if not a premium. Um, and I'm pretty confident we'll get there. Thank you.